What I do is inconsequential. Why I do what I do is I get to shorten people's journeys every day. What I love about our hospitality industry is that it's our mission to make people feel cared for while on their journeys. Together, we'll explore what hospitality means in the built environment, in business, and in our daily lives. I'm Dan Ryan, and this is Defining Hospitality. Today's guest focuses on both branded design experience and creation of new products. She's responsible for leading Hyatt's integration into adjacent spaces in the health and wellness industry. She specializes in developing creative solutions and strategies for retail, hospitality, and luxury brands. She is the Vice President of Product Brand Development at Hyatt Hotels Corporation. Ladies and gentlemen, Sarah Clemson. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you, Dan. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's so great to have you here. And I'm so excited. Um, our industry is just so incredible. And I get to meet all these new people. And I really feel like through mutual friends and contacts and mentors that we've come across each other's path. And it's just so great to get to know you and, and just hear about this incredible journey that you've been on about from where you came to where you are right now. So just I just want to say welcome and thank you. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. I've heard of um, the legacy of Dan Ryan and and so glad to have over the last little bit gotten to know you better and and I'm excited to be part of this podcast. So thank you for inviting me. Oh, you're very welcome. And one of the things that really intrigued me, um, obviously you're at Hyatt right now and you're doing some pretty incredible things, but I, when you told me that you worked at McDonald's in their innovation department, like that blew my mind because if you think about hospitality from a restaurant perspective, like there's no one bigger or better than them. I mean, you, better is relative, right? But as far as the innovation, I just want you to tell us a little bit about that, about like how you, how you got there and then how, where you are now. Yeah, it's really kind of a funny story because, you know, I took the role with McDonald's and, I, and every time people see that either on, you know, my bio or my resume, my LinkedIn profile, people ask me like, did you work in a McDonald's restaurant? I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> I did work for the company and the organization. And actually, you know, it's really an eye-opening experience. Um, you know, that was my first role on more of the client or brand side. And, you know, what I was doing there was actually looking at how, architecture and design can really be used as a tool to connect with our consumers or our guests in different ways, right? And so McDonald's is really actually quite great at, you know, investing a lot in innovation and thinking about where the brand is going to be in, say, 15, 20 years. Um, you know, it's a super large organization, so it's hard to, you know, sort of change quickly. You don't see a lot of change quickly at the organization, but they do invest in innovation and thinking about that. And um, one of the things that they were really trying to do was engage their consumer in a different way. You know, actually in the Americas region, 70% of their business is generated through the revenue at the time that I was there. And they were trying to think, how can we use architecture and design as to create a place for people to come and dine in the restaurant and have a different experience and engagement with the brand? So, you know, it was really fun work and very creative and progressive. I think we built six different um, restaurants based on the concepts that we had created. So, um, and you know, the other thing, Dan, like you said, it might seem foreign to sort of the path of my career, but you know, McDonald's is F&B and it is that sense of hospitality in a different way than what I'm doing now, but it's still using the brand and you know, using architecture and design to engage with our consumers. So it was a very fun role. 
what I when we when you were telling me about that as well, I was very intrigued by um, the idea of how granular they get at plotting out an ROI, right? So we're all about delivering hospitality and how do we change this experience? But the financial metrics behind all of that is just incredible to me. So tell me a little bit about that because then I think that'll, because then that will help evolve the, the conversation that we have as far as where hospitality and what it means to you. Yeah, that, that was one of the things that honestly was the most intriguing about the work that I was doing was at McDonald's was that it was all about innovation, but it had to be based in metrics, right? It couldn't just be like, oh, we're going to create a new design because that's a cool thing to do and we hope people will like it. It was actually like looking at their existing prototype. How can you build something that is on par with that from a cost standpoint, but has a much better engagement and much better experience for the guest? So they're, they're very they very, very they take very seriously tracking data numbers um, and anytime that I needed any of that information was like okay what's the cost of this how do we do this it was very easy to tap into those teams and pull numbers McDonald's is also very um, you know they think a lot about the moves that they make like a lot of people probably don't know this but they have an innovation center that is just a big warehouse basically that has like five different kitchens that you can set up and run testing and they do that quite often so like different area countries will come in like france was one of the ones that they always would send their people to the innovation center they would test and run product to really make sure that you know if they were introducing a new menu item or they were trying a different layout of the kitchen that operationally it worked really really well so you know mcdonald's is very strategic about how they think about the data and information but also how they roll out products and how they think about their operations as a business i love that because to <laughs> me from my experience in hospitality there is a numbers component obviously each hotel is an operating business right and it has to have a net operating income. But I don't see that level of granularity as far as cost structure, ROI, like down to like, yeah. how do you actually measure and map this? Because to me in the hotel space, it's so much more about like how the other people are feeling. And it's kind of hard to map an ROI to that. But in, but it's, it's surprising because McDonald's does do that. Like, what are your thinking? What, what's your experience on going from that world to where you've been and all the cool things you're doing at Hyatt? Yeah, um, you know, I think that the thing is, is that it has to be a balance of both, right? I mean, in hospitality, you do have to create and evoke that sense of comfort and people to feel, you know, a genuine sort of experience when they stay with us, right? But at the same time, from the business side of it, you have to think about how the decisions you're making from a design standpoint either impact the owners or impact the overall ROI of the project. You have to think about those things. I mean, from that's the business side of it, right? So we really do at Hyatt try to, even when we do a renovation, we look at what guests are saying. We look at sort of what they're saying when they stay with us, the surveys they fill out, What is what are the areas that we can improve? How can, when we do a renovation, we be strategic about those things that we know guests are saying and try to improve them? So again, we always want to be and create very authentic and genuine experiences for our guests um, that make them have that sense of comfort when they stay with us and also obviously like inspire them. 
but we also want to make sure that it works from a from a business standpoint. So we try to balance those two. And it's and it's, it is funny, Dan, because I think McDonald's was so heavy on the analytics, and then Hyatt was. Um, just starting to really think about how data can inform the decisions we make when I started at Hyatt. So bringing those two together, I think has been a fun part of this role to sort of see how you can impact that guest experience by listening to them, quite frankly. And that's the surprising thing about this idea of hospitality that I've been discovering on this journey. Okay, we all have these ideas of what it is, but it's really about listen, or what I'm learning, it's so much about listening and just really being empathetic and tapping in. So segueing with that, how do you define hospitality? You know, since you and I first started talking and you raised this question, I've been like kind of rolling it around in my head, thinking about what hospitality means to me. Cause I think it, it's a word that evokes so many different thoughts or feelings for different people, right? And, you know, for me, I think hospitality is obviously about caring for people and evoking a sense of emotional response when they stay with us. But one of the biggest things that I actually was reminded of this week when I traveled is how important inspiration is in a, in a, hospi a hospitality experience, right? Inspiring people and creating experiences for them that they will take into their lives that's what hospitality is about. It's not just about caring for people and, you know, creating a wonderful experience when they're there, but it's also inspiring them, getting them to think about things in a different way. You know, when they go back into their normal lives, they take that sense of inspiration and hopefully it, it bleeds into other areas of their lives. I think that's really what's at the core. And I think that's why people are so passionate about this industry is because it inspires them. You know, the sense of passion can come out and what we create either through design or the experiences that we create on property. And in listening to people and hearing what they want and delivering what they want and ultimately inspiring them, there's this also this idea of this butterfly effect because the impact that we have in this built environment and the experience that they have, they can go and then they can impact others. And I'm really intrigued by what you're doing at Hyatt, especially from a wellness perspective, in particular about the acquisition of Miraval and then rolling it out. And then also um, my, you, did, you bought the Cranwell and made that the Miraval Lennox up in the Berkshires and my sister got married mm -hmm. there. And it's such an oh, incredible nice. place and, and so impactful in so many ways in my life personally. But tell us about how, from a wellness perspective, how you guys are trying to impact people. And then when they go home, that butterfly effect and that, that kind of tidal wave that can happen. Yeah. You know, it's such a good point, Dan, because I do honestly think that, you know, when you have these travel experiences, they impact and change you, right. You bring it back into your, your life that impacts other people too. So it's not just about your own personal experience, but the impact it can have on others too. Right. Um, and, you know, Hyatt has always, our purpose statement is that we care for others so they can be their best, right? And so we've always had this sense of care at our purpose. And, you know, honestly, well-being has always been part of what Hyatt has been focused on, right? Um, and I think, honestly, it, even COVID 
sort of brought the future forward, right? It accelerated everything. So I don't think that what we're doing now is because of COVID, but I think it's give us, given us an opportunity where our guests now are demanding this. It's something that we know as people return to travel are gonna wanna focus on a sense of wellness or well-being, really as part of their stay. And so what we're trying to do right now is really take some of those learnings that we've seen evolve at Mariville and how can we start to think about our other brands across our whole portfolio? How can we bring that sense of well-being or wellness to other brands in a way that is super authentic, right? I mean, that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest threat to um, something being unsuccessful is it for somehow to feel um, inauthentic, right? You know, we want to make sure that these experiences are genuine and integrated in the brand voice, right? So something we would do at a Park Hyatt might not be what we do at a Hyatt place, but that there is a thread and a consistency, that there is a sense of caring for your well-being while you're staying on property. And, you know, I think in hospitality, Previously, wellness used to be just about the spa experience or fitness. And what we're seeing is it really needs to be an end-to-end -end experience, right? From the time you arrive on property that you have that sense that your well-being is taken care of all the way till the end when you leave the property, right? So your experience in F&B or your experience in the guest room should have some sort of sense an integration of an experience, not just something as simple as like putting weights in a guest room or a treadmill in a guest room. You know, that's not what people are looking for. It, we don't want to have an additive approach, but more an intuitive approach that is integrated into the overall experience. So that's some of the stuff that we're really thinking about now, you know, at Hyatt, trying to figure out how can we expand sort of what we're doing from a wellness or well-being standpoint across our portfolio. I've heard you say the word genuine maybe about five or six times <laughs> in our conversation and then authentic. Yeah. And I feel, and then also that it kind of came out of that idea of the purpose statement. And then I get the, I really get the idea from Hyatt in particular that it's very values driven. And what's yeah. surprising to me is oftentimes you have these values or core values or, or mission statements, and they're just posters that are on a wall. But I really, in all the conversations I get with you and, and all, your whole team at Hyatt, I really do get the feeling that it's not just a poster on a wall. It really does. It is a value that you're, it's like a lexicon in the language that you guys are talking about. And I'd love to just hear more about that. Like, how do you guys make these purpose statements and values come to life at Hyatt? Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the benefit of us being kind of maybe the smaller company of the big hospitality groups is that we do have this like inherent sort of, I always talk about the entrepreneurial spirit, right? Like we do, and maybe it's some of our legacy and our, um, the initial uh, sort of way our organization was formed, but there is just this very strong sense of entrepreneurship that sort of bleeds through everything we do. And, you know, and I will have to say also too, Mark Kapomazian, our CEO is a big, he, he talks about this a lot. He talks about empathy. He talks about caring for our guests. He talks about the difference between uh, care and service, like that there is a huge difference. He, you know, and I think that that sort of message trickles down to to the rest of the organization, right? You know, these. this is what our leaders are talking about on a regular basis. It's not something that is a corporate initiative, right? It's something that they're actually living and breathing and talking about. So, you know, it makes a big difference when you see your boss or you see the CEO talking about these types of ways that they're thinking about, you know, well-being or caring for people. Um, so I do think that comes across in the organization and just the way we work. 
with your team that you have, how do you guys make those values come to life? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what we do is try to be very collaborative. We try to, you know, make sure that we're working together. And even the way that our groups are set up, you know, our team, my team is part of, um, has global responsibility. And then we have three design services departments that we work with in the regions. And we really try to be as collaborative as possible, always keeping those lines of communication open where we're talking about how can we support you? What are the things you're seeing on actual projects that, you know, we can come up with different ways of thinking about it or talking about it that can support your needs. So I think there's a lot of dialogue between, you know, how can we support each other? And, you know, quite honestly, the other thing with Hyatt is, you know, our teams are very streamlined right now. So there's no time for, you know, conflict. We, you know, the way that we have to work is very collaboratively and sharing resources. And I think honestly, that's almost made the teams tighter knit and, and relying on each other in a different way. That's been really, I think, quite productive. Um, I'm speaking from not really knowing that much here, but when I look at, I think you referred to being one of the big, one of the big brands, but having a smaller and kind of, I don't know, just, I don't, I, I actually don't remember exactly how you said it, but being one of the big brands, but just having a smaller feel, I guess that that's what yeah. it was. Um, what I, and where I'm not knowing and just kind of dumb in this area, I feel like Hyatt more than the other brands actually owns more of their assets than the other brands do. And I think with that ownership, there comes a a different sense of care and well-being being for all of those assets as well. So walk me through that, like educate me on that. Yeah. And I don't know where we're at specifically with percentage of how many we own at this point, but um, you know, that is something that Hyatt has always sort of invested in. You know, we don't want to ask owners to do something we wouldn't do ourselves on our own properties. Right. And so it's important for us to be owners and operators, not just an operations company. Um, and so we really tried to, and even as, you know, Marival, for an example, we own all three of those assets right now. And as this brand develops, um, you know, there's going to be other owners, but we own the first three. So we can say, these are the things that we did. This is how we want the brand to evolve. So, you know, it's important for us to, as we develop brands, either to um, make sure that we're investing in the development of the brand or we're owning the brand, right? So, you know, like when we launched Caption by Hyatt, um, right before the pandemic, a new brand that we de developed our um, select service lifestyle brand, you know, we invested a lot of money in making sure we built a prototype room, making sure that we had all the documentation together so that owners really could develop the brand the way that we would want it. Um, and just like I mentioned, Marival, when we bought that brand, we bought the assets and can have continued to own and operate them since that acquisition. So it's important for us to you know, really be invested so that we understand the struggles of owners or we understand where they're coming from because we're operating and owning these hotels as well. And with Miraval in particular, because that is a super exciting acquisition to get into the wellness space, right? And I think that before you acquired them, they were obviously a leader, a well-known brand and icon within the wellness space. Walk me through like what, makes Miraval different and how that, how you're excited about how that will impact its guests. 
Yeah, you know, I so I will be completely honest with you. When we first bought Marival, I don't think a lot of people understood within Hyatt exactly what it was, right? Like, I think a lot of people had this preconceived notion that it was a resort or a destination spa. But when you actually really learn what Marival is, and I just I just came back, I was just in Tucson. I spent some time there with um, a bunch of our consultants and a new ownership group that's looking at building a Marival. And um, when you spend time at the brand, you start to really understand that it is way beyond just a destination spa. Everything at Miraval is is founded around the idea of mindfulness, right? So it's it's really about like allowing guests to create a life in balance. That's sort of the ethos of the brand. And that means from everything from your spa treatments that you might participate in to the different type of programming that's on offer, everything is about this sense of mindfulness, even down to the point that when you arrive on property, you're told that part of um, the property policies is that it's a digital free uh, environment. So you can use your cell phone or your iPad or your computer in your guest room and your privacy, but out in the public spaces, you're intended to be present, not be looking at your phone. And even just that, Dan, has a huge impact on your experience. You know, so many times you're sitting at dinner talking with people um, and you might think about something. You're like, oh, I'll just look on my phone. It's like, oh, wait, I'm not even supposed to be on my phone. I'm supposed to be present in this moment, engaging, making connections, talking about my experience with the people that I either participated in programming with or the people I might be there traveling with. So Marival is really an experience that is about everything from programming to F&B to spa treatments is all centered around this idea and concept of mindfulness and really trying to get our guests to you know, be present in, in their lives and understand the impact of, of this type of engagement. I don't know how long it's been, but I, it's probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 years. I always, and actually in the pandemic, I didn't do it for one year, but I make it a point of one week a year to not touch my phone or computer. Usually it's well, I'm on vacation with the family and it's really hard. Like I start itching I know. Like in the first couple of days, but then I, if I, I realize that we're all supporting each other and it's okay. Like we can do that. Um, can you share any stories from Miraval where someone has put down their phone for an extended period of time and maybe they hadn't done that before and the impact that's had on someone? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, even for myself, I, I would say that just being disconnected from your phone, there is sort of this, of course, you do feel the itch and the urge at the beginning. And then once you've set it down, there is sort of this liberation that you feel from not being so connected. Um, and I think a lot of guests go through that. I, I will share instead um, a, a different experience that I think has been really, really powerful. We have a program at Miraval that's centered around um, equine therapy. So working with horses and really, and, and really what the, what the experience is about is trying to get people to understand that when you work with an animal, the animal knows where you're at, whether you know personally or not, they, they understand. They understand, they can pick up on your, your tones, your vibes, their, the things that are going on internally within you. And so what this experience is really about is guiding um, the guests to begin to engage with the animals, to begin to be a catalyst, to open up conversations for, you know, things that are going on in your life that maybe you're not even aware of, right? And every time I am at Marival and talk to people who've done equine, they're like, 
you know, at first I just thought we were going to go work with some horses and it was going to be really peaceful and beautiful. By the second person that went, everyone was crying in the circle and we're all now friends. And it's like this very amazing, powerful experience from something very simple, like just working with horses. But the way that our specialists really, you know, facilitate the conversation, get people to open up, get people to be quite honestly vulnerable and, and engage in this experience, you know, it's very, very transformative. I mean, uh, you know, people come up out of that experience. Actually, yesterday, even I was on the shuttle back to the airport and I, there were these two women in the, in the van. They didn't know that I worked for Hyatt and they were talking about their equine experience and how moving and amazing it was. So there's a lot of programs like that at Marival that, you know, again, I'll use the word transformative. Marival is a place that you go to be transformed and take that into your life um, once you leave uh, the property. Okay, so this is super surprising. I've heard of equine ther uh, therapy and working with horses. And I've even seen, I think on Miraval where you go and you, you paint the horse, right? Yep. That's part of it. But I didn't realize it was a, I didn't realize it was, it could be a group exercise. So walk me through that transformation. Because one of the things that I'm learning in this journey of discovering what hospitality is, um, it keeps coming up this idea of open hearted listening. And I think you even said it, it's just very opening and vulnerable, but like, how does that, how does that work? And I've never done it. And I'm curious. Well, so this is the beauty of Marival too, is that, you know, people, people go to Marival for all different reasons, right? Like you, and, and I think that's, again, part of the beauty of the property is you might have, you know, someone who is there because they just uh, received some fairly bad medical, um, you know, diagnosis, and they're there trying to deal with um, what the future may be for them. You might have a group of women that are there doing something like celebrating an engagement or a wedding. So you have sort of these like very sort of uh, diverse purposes for the stay, right? And, you know, people are coming there for a very range of large range of different reasons. Um, but what these sort of therapies do, or these and I won't really call them therapies, but what these different programming and offerings provide is a sense for people to come together and connect, right? And so our specialists really work through those conversations and, and ask questions that begin to draw some of that out. The programs also make people feel very comfortable. So um, they allow people to open up and to be more vulnerable and to allow those connections to happen. That's one of the things I think that's also very different about Marival. You know, we talk a lot about Marival being a luxury product, but one of our biggest assets at Marival is the connection with our, between our colleagues and our guests. We encourage our colleagues to really engage with our guests at every moment that they can, like every moment. And I know a lot of times in luxury products, it's more like a, experience where we're just, you know, ser serving them, right? Serving our guests. But at Maribel, it's about connecting with our guests and understanding their purpose, understanding why they're at the property, and then crafting experiences around that purpose and that intention so that they really get the most out of their experience. And so that's really what these programs do. So for example, like with equine, they will start with talking about the horse and going through the exercise. And then each person has an opportunity to participate. And it's about, and it's, it's a very simple exercise, but it's very um, in depth with uh, sort of pulling out the themes that we wanna try to get people to respond to. So what typically they do, and, and, and every equine program is a little bit different at Marival, but what they try to get them each person to do is to get the 
um, horse to raise its hoof so you can clean the hoof. And to get a horse to raise its foot, the horse has to feel comfortable with you. You can't be somebody that's like hiding something, right? And so you will watch people that go up to the horse and they're like, oh, I'm just going to muscle it up. I'm just going to get the horse to lift the leg. No, that's not what they're it's like, about. Nope. <laughs> no, the horse is like, oh, buddy, that's not going to happen, right? <laughs> and so wow. it's really about this way of like connecting with a being, a, an animal that's, you know, bigger than yourself, bigger than, you know, it, the, your surroundings and really trying to get them to um, have an interaction that uh, evokes some of these, again, themes that we're trying to pull out for guests. So if you, okay, if I'm a guest at a Miraval and you have, it does each Miraval have an equine program? Yes, all three of the, all, so we have Miraval Tucson, who, which has been there for like 25 years. They just celebrated their 25th anniversary. Um, and then we opened uh, the year before the pandemic, um, Austin. And then in, in 2020, we in the summer, we opened Berkshires. So each one of those do have um, equine therapies. So if I'm a guest at Miraval, and I, let's say I just go by myself, and I see on a menu of offering, uh, there's equine, and then I go to this equine program, I assume it's in a stable or in a pasture, and are other guests there at the same time, or is it a private, like, how does that all, how does it work, so, and like, what do you do, how long is it? This is amazing. So I feel like, I feel like, Dan, I need to get you to go to a Miraval, so maybe we'll have to organize that so you can go experience um, Perfect. some of the programmings, but the thing, the thing that's interesting about Miraval is also, too, the way that we really set it up is that you spend a lot of time when you um, initially set your reservation with what we call an experiential planner, and the experiential planner helps to, you You have in-depth conversations with them about, you know, what is the intention of your stay? What are you looking to get out of the stay? What type of programs and activities do you want to participate in? Um, we share some of the programs and activities that are on offer as, as part of their stay so that they can, you know, determine. And, and obviously, like, the program is all listed on the website. People can look at it or whatnot. But you spend a lot of time with an experiential planner, even prior to your um, arrival you plan out your itinerary um, and you know that can be a variety of offerings it can be everything from culinary programming to fitness programming to spa offerings and I will say that's the other thing that's different about the spa the spa yes is intended for the treatments that you have to be relaxing and and um, you know uh help with self-care and whatnot, but there are also um, innovative treatments. S several of the treatments that are on the spa menu, you can only receive at Miraval. So we've created programming centered around this idea of mindfulness. Um, so it's not just indulgence, right? It's, it's about like really tapping into those themes of mindfulness, even in your spa experience. So you, you spend a lot of time creating these itineraries when you get to property, you have the opportunity, of course, to again, talk to the experiential planners. If you see on the agenda something else you'd prefer to do or you want to switch your schedule, you can totally do that. Miraval offers a ton of programming that is included in your rate. There's some additional programming that are additional charges. Um, you can do private sessions. You can do group sessions. It all just kind of, again, goes back to the intention of your stay. Depending on what you're trying to get out of your stay, um, it's really crafted around that. That is incredible. Just hearing what is the intention of your stay? If we really think about like, what is the intention of our day? What is the intention of this conversation? It's really this mindset. And I know you've said genuine, you've said uh, mindfulness, but it's really this transformation and like 
idea of intentionality where, I mean, I'm guilty of this. I don't think about off, I, I try to as much as I can, but there's so many times where I'm just like, just reactive and not intentional. Um, and being intentional, I think is the ultimate form of mindfulness, right? Cause you're just fully aware and present. So yeah. how has that experience of the acquisition and scaling of Miraval, how, is there any story that you can tell about how that's transforming Hyatt in general or you as a person as well? Well, I will say for, I'll start with me personally. I mean, honestly, Marival has had a huge impact on me. Like, uh, you know, when we, when we um, acquired Marival, I was the point person and the lead for the projects we were developing. And I worked really closely with the Marival group team. And, you know, I talked with them a lot about these themes and the impacts and, even became very close friends with um, one of the guys who's been involved in Miraval forever. And Simon and I talk quite often about these themes, even in how it translates into other areas at Hyatt and whatnot. And quite honestly, I've even found myself the impact it's had on me personally, the way that, and I know this maybe sounds silly, Dan, but like the way I engage with my partner, the way that I engage with my daughter, the things that I see that I honestly am not sure I would have fully been present for, I will attribute it to this work, the work that I've been developing with Miraval and what we've been trying to bring to Hyatt. It's had a huge impact on me personally and the way that I think about things. Quite honestly, even the way that I think about how I engage with my teammates, um, you know, trying to understand that everyone's um, well-being journey or wellness journey is different and personal and understanding that you have to engage people where they are, that's a huge part of this too, right? Like, and I think, and just to go back to that idea of like authentic and genuine, the reason that's so important for Hyatt is because we don't want these initiatives to feel like they're corporate initiatives, right? They shouldn't even be called initiatives. It's just the way that we work and what we do, right? Like it should be just ingrained in the experience um, to be that authentic and, and really be a, a sort of caring for people's well-being. It can't be something that is just layered over all of our brands. It has to be, you know, authentic and be told in the brand voice. So to hear you say, like when we think about um, in just being genuine and authentic from top down, like the, a corporate initiative, you said something earlier in the conversation, which was we really encourage our team at Miravel to connect versus serve. And so, mm -hmm. okay, we have this corporate initiative, but then the boots on the ground who are actually interacting with the guests are connecting rather than serving and i just want to ask like what do you mean by connecting versus serving like walk us through what's different about that yeah it's real i think it's a very big difference and the words don't seem that different but the difference is you know when you have the opportunity to really connect with someone you understand where they're coming from right you know and the idea of service you might not be doing something that helps someone personally, right? You might be offering them something that isn't really even what they need, right? And if you don't have take the time to really connect with someone, understand their purpose, understand their intention, how can you really take care of them? You, you can't, you have to really, and that's why we try to encourage our guests at Miraval to connect 
our colleagues at Miraval to connect with our guests is because we want them to understand and have those open conversations um, so that they can really, you know, create their experience to be the best that it can be, right? And to me, service is about, you know, um, it, it, I don't think that it has that element of necessarily care because it's not necessarily totally personalized, right? Um, I will tell you, even as small things at Miraval that we try to do, um, and it might sound kind of silly, but uh, the name tags at Miraval um, actually allow each of the colleagues to select a word that sort of represents what Miraval is to them, right? And so on the name tag, mine would say Sarah, my name, obviously, but it would also say my word for Miraval, right? So if that's is. Uh, family or you know, whatever the word is, which you put me on the spot to tell me, tell me your Miraval word, but it, it, and the reason- Give that me we, your Miraval yeah, word. And the reason <laughs> we do that is so it's a point of engagement for colleagues to say, oh, what does that mean? Like, how does, or for guests to say, what does that mean? Like, tell me about that. Or, you know, vice versa for our colleagues to ask the guests, like, you know, what does Miraval mean to you? It's just a point of uh, open ended question that starts a dialogue that maybe you would never have, right? And it's again, a small thing, but it's trying to open up those channels and get our colleagues to understand that when they begin to understand our, our guests' purpose, they can, you know, take care of them even better, right? So. And how, I, I'm, there's probably no answer to this, but of all the guests that are staying there, how many of them have actually contemplated their purpose or their intention of the stay. It must be refreshing. And I think that's cool at Miraval, but again, that can be applied everywhere. I could be staying at any hotel. If someone said, hey, what's what's the intention of your stay here? You know what? I just want a place that's quiet, that I can do my work, I'm sleeping, and then I'm out all day. Yeah. Or, hey, I really want to take this time to, to look inward. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I think it's a great way to start to, you know, think about hospitality a little differently, right, is that, you know, everyone comes to their sort of experience with hospitality from a different place, and making sure that we understand our guests at that level is really important. And it's also asking your guests to be vulnerable in a way, right, and think about the vision, right? Because I think all, oftentimes while we think about mindfulness and just being right where we are right now, what one of the things, okay, so I think a lot of us don't do that, number one. Number two, I think a, a lot of us don't think about the vision of where we want to be today, tomorrow, 10 years, 50 years. And I think that um, that visioning exercise is really powerful and it, it is nice to just stop and think about that. Has, have any of those initiatives from Miraval trickled out since you've been there into Hyatt at large? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, and I want to just say one thing too about, you know, you mentioned the word like mindfulness, and I know we've talked about that. And I think the other thing that's a little difficult with even that word is that it conjures up a, a, a sort of sense that, you know, people might not always be comfortable with that, that idea of mindfulness, right? Like, people might think that I like to use the word actually awareness, because I feel like that's a much more approachable word for a larger group, right? Even 
to say, like, you know, bringing awareness to the things that you're doing, getting you to tune in to your senses, your experience, that is basically mindfulness. And it's getting people to, to understand that mindfulness is, is so much broader and will have such a bigger impact on people than they're even aware of. And it doesn't mean you have to sit down and meditate for an hour to be mindful. Like, you have to tune in to things, tune into the present moment, be aware and conscious of your impact on other people, understand what's going on within you and what's going on around you. That's, that's what mindfulness is really about. And that's what we're trying to bring to guests in a way that's digestible and consumable to them, right? That doesn't feel like, you know, heavier or something that I have to do, right? Something that is like eating your vegetables, right? Like you have to do this because it's the right thing for you. Actually, it's, it, it has a huge impact. So one of the, um, <clears throat> one of the digital detoxes I did was actually this year, I went to this, I went through this thing, it's called the Hoffman process. And it's a week long, like no phone, no anything, but it's really like, we all have these things that annoy us about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it, really, I love that you said awareness, because the first thing that they say is the, listen, you're not going to, this is not like a transformative, it's a transformative experience, but it's not going to happen day one. What we're going to do is let's explore all those things that annoy us about ourselves and create awareness about them. Once we have awareness, it's like nothing. If we can't measure something, we can't change it. And we can't measure something if we're not aware of it. So actually that's an incredible idea of like the feeder into mindfulness is this idea of awareness. Yeah. And, you know, just to go back to your question about like, have Maraval initiatives sort of trickled into other areas at Hyatt? Because I think it's like really important for people to understand, you know, part of the reason that we really invested in and wanted to, um, have the acquisition of Maribel was because we wanted to learn about this adjacent space that we didn't have expertise in, right? We wanted to understand more about wellness and well-being. And the intention was never to take that and try to replicate it in our other brands, right? It was to understand what they were doing and, and think of other ways that some of that could impact our other brands, right? Like, so I think at first, you know, some of the things that were being done at Maribel, we started to do and other brands. And we were like, this does not work, you know, like taking, cause it's out of context, right? Like taking the cell phone sleeping bag in your welcome package at Maryville, you get a, what we call a cell phone sleeping bag. It's basically a little sleeve to put your cell phone in and you're supposed to like tuck it away. Right. And that's part of your digital detox is you're consciously putting your phone away. Um, and those cell phone sleeping bags showed up in, uh, one of our park Hyatt's in, in Japan. And, totally lost in translation, quite honestly, like putting something that is very purposeful at Miraval and putting it into another brand does not work, right? We, we know that. So what we're trying to do is really take some of those learnings and then understand how would that translate for a well-being-based experience in a Thompson? How would that translate in a Hyatt place? Like those would be very different sort of activations Um, But it needs to be, again, centered around sort of the intention of those guests that are staying at those properties. So uh, again, like going back to it, it's not so much that the uh, actual product of Marival is going into other brands, but some of that thinking and understanding and how it would then translate to experiences within our other brands, that's what we're trying to focus on. So In doing these podcasts, I'm talking to like a lot of creative, just incredible people. And one of the things that I'm like very envious about 
um, is just the superpower that you have, like you have and others have, where it's, you take these ideas of awareness and authenticity and being genuine. And just to throw the word back at you that I heard you say, you translate them into like actual physical things and a physical experience. Like, how did you learn or realize that you had this gift and ability to translate these ideas, abstractions into physical things? You know, I think that's like the most exciting thing of what I've been able to focus on in my career, right, is the understanding that you can create um, beautiful, super beautiful physical spaces. But if they don't support the experience we're trying to create, the guest is never going to get out of it what we want them to, right? So the most important thing that we can do is understand that physical space and experience have to come together, right? And the and the physical space has to support that experience, right? They have to be developed hand in hand. And I think this is where I get the most passionate about things, right? Is where the design and the experience come together and create something really special. And it has synergies and you know energy in a way that a guest might not have experienced if those two things didn't come together. And when did you learn in your life that you had this talent or attraction to that, that passion, like, and, and these gifts, like when, when did that come up in your life? It's funny. Cause I grew up in a family of people that, you know, use a totally different part of their brain. I was always the creative child that was like drawing or building something strange out of tissue boxes and you know whatever my sister was off like probably doing math projects or something and I was always the more creative one and I and I actually went to school for interior design that was what my bachelor's was in and then I, I was like okay I love interiors I love um, this idea of sense of materials and and designing the interior of spaces but I was like I want to balance it with something that's a little bit more uh, practical logical uh, sort of thinking. So I, I did a master's in architecture and those two together, I think have been such a nice compliment because I understand sort of the logical aspect of the architecture and how, you know, size and scale, um, have a huge impact on people. But I also understand the soft side of design that is the interiors. How does it feel? What, what feeling does it evoke? Um, you know, what, how do the materials impact you? And those two together, I think really set my career off to say, okay, this is where I want to go. How does architecture and design really impact people in a way that maybe they're not even conscious of? And when you think back to when you were the creative one in your, in your family <laughs> and the, the, making those tissue box projects, like what was the coolest tissue box project you, you, you made? Oh Can you remember? <laughs> I do remember this one, which you, you will laugh at, but I, okay. So I didn't really fully understand the durability of a cardboard construction box. Cause I was a child and uh, I decided to build inside a, inside a tissue box of, of aquarium scene, right? So I had built all these like little things inside the, the uh, tissue box. Then I went and filled it with water <laughs> and brought that out. And then, uh, uh, of course that made a huge mess. And I think that was probably the end of my tissue box creations. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it's funny. Like I was hearing something about their, you know, their favorite 
oh, I, I was listening to the Jerry Seinfeld. He was telling this joke about how he loved it when his neighbors would get um, a new refrigerator when he was growing up because he loved it when on the, in his neighborhood, the box, the big refrigerator box would be left out on the street. And then he'd make his own apartment out of this box, like living on someone's lawn. And he, it was, yeah. it was his favorite space. But you know, ever. It's so funny. Cause I see those traits and even in my daughter, you know, she's four and she'll be more excited about the box that the gift came in than even still now. Cause she will make something out of it. And I love seeing that, like seeing that in my child that, you know, my husband as an architect, I'm an architect, poor Elise, hopefully will go on to be something different, maybe. <laughs> but she has those genes already in her. So it's it's so beautiful to see her creativity, even at her age. Oh, wow. That's so awesome. Um, when you think about um, the future, and as far as like the this kind of built environment, what's exciting you the most about like, you know, your path, your journey? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I love what I'm doing at Hyatt, like the opportunity that I have and, and sort of in my role, the global reach that, that I have and the, and, the ability, and the ability to impact projects, right? You know, I always say to people that, you know, Hyatt doesn't design our properties, right? We work with designers, but we help get to inform and craft and curate and I love that part of my job, being able to really, you know, help a vision come to life through sort of persuasion and getting people moving in the right direction. I think it's one of the most fun things that, you know, my career that I've been able to do is really almost be like a creative director, right? Like where you're really getting people to understand the ethos and the, of the experience that you're trying to create. And then how does that come to life and how and helping guide them and being a partner with them, helping move the project. Those are the things that I find the most intriguing and the most inspiring. Um, and I hope that that will continue, you know, uh, definitely at Hyatt, there's opportunity to continue that development. And then as you look at kind of where we are and where you are and like everything happening right now, what's what's keeping you up at night these days? Oh man, um, what keeps me up at night? I mean, I think that like, just to be super honest with you, I think the the part that's the hardest right now is just as, as we rebound and travel starts to pick back up, you know, resources are tight. It's, it's hard to get done what we want to do in the days, right? And, you know, a lot of the work that I'm doing is, is very innovative and, and, and trying to push the needle, right? Like really trying to get people to understand the value and impact of certain things. Um, and, and it's hard work. It's super creative and rewarding work, but it's also hard to do with more limited resources. So I think that's probably what I struggle with the most. And thinking about um, kind of well-being and wellness and then energy levels and that kind of struggle that you just mentioned, um, how do you keep your how do you keep your energy levels up? Yeah, I mean, I try, you know, it's been really hard, I'm sure for everyone, this like separation between live work balance and, and, you know, everyone's working for a lot of people are working from home still, you know, where there is hardly any separation. And, you know, I try really hard to prioritize 
things that I need to, right? Like to take care of myself or my family. Um, you know, I work really hard, but I also try to enjoy my life as, as much as I can. Also, I spend a lot of time with my daughter. Um, we just got a new puppy. So I spend time trying to prioritize things that are important to me. Um, even if that means just for small amounts throughout the day, I, I try to prioritize the things that make me happy. I love to run. So I, I get up insanely early to go do that for myself what time and that helps <laughs> but but my alarm is set on a regular basis for 4 30 so Ooh. i'm up early and inspirational well you know it's that time in the morning where no one else is awake and i get some time to myself which is also very healthy for me so i'll spend time running in the morning or exercising in the morning um which i think also always sets me up for a good day <clears throat> If you can take that idea of kind of intentionality and the awareness that creates the mindfulness in your running, can you describe the awareness and the mindfulness that you have with respect to running? Oh, 100%. I mean, it's something that I think previously, maybe I would just, you know, put on headphones and I would just zone out and I would, you know, listen to music. But now I do think very intentionally about my runs. Like I think about what I'm trying to get out of my run. I think about, you know, sometimes when you're running too, your head can go to maybe a space where you don't necessarily feel super good or you start to have negative thoughts or whatnot. And I think being intentional about even those conscious thoughts um, and helping transition them so that you're thinking about something that's more positive well, has a huge impact on your running capabilities. So I try to, you know, when I'm running to be very conscious and aware and, um, you know, I think that helps me not just with my running, but my overall mental strength. Yeah. You know, running is amazing. It's a great elix elixir and tonic and being alone with my thoughts when I'm running is some of the best time ever. Yeah. It helps me think through things. It gives me that time to like, just be in my head and, and work through maybe some of the things that I don't always get the chance to think about. Yeah. Especially if I'm writing and I, I have a really great idea, but I can't quite get it to make sense. Just going for a run. It's amazing how it just kind of figures itself out. Yeah. I agree mm. with you for sure. <clears throat> So let's pretend, let's go in a time machine right now. And you're, you're, you're standing there. You've just, all the water is leaking out of the tissue box. created. <laughs> Back to this. <laughs> so you're, you're watching yourself. All the water is kind of coming out <clears throat> and you have the opportunity to give yourself some advice as the, as the younger you, what advice do you give yourself? Uh, never lose that sort of uh, thought that you can make anything be possible. I mean, that's the best thing out of that whole experience is that I thought anything was possible, right? Like this tissue box can certainly hold the water. I mean, I think that sort of like beginner's mentality is something I never want to lose, right? That so many things are possible. Totally. And it's also, I, I read a book a long time ago. I should probably dust it off. It's called Rookie Smarts. And it's the idea that like, the, the, the new team members, the youngest kids, the, <clears throat> the kids just out of college, there's a certain, um, I guess, smartness that comes with just being a rookie and, having, and being unencumbered in your, in your thinking. A hundred percent. I mean, I always think that, 
you know, you don't have to be the most senior person in the room to have the best idea in the room. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's one of the things that I've really appreciated about my career is that I've always had, and thinking about the roles that I've had, people that have advocated for me or seen talent in me that have helped me be myself and and have a voice, which is really important. And that's something that I want to, you know, try to always encourage too with my team is, you know, I just spent a couple of days with a, a with a designer who is super talented and she's learning about Maribel. And the reason that I wanted to be on the trip was because I want to support her. I, I want her to understand that, you know, she is the voice. She can be the voice of this brand too. Um, and I think that's just so important is making sure that people feel supported at that level. When you were in Tucson, did you take any time and go for a hike up Sabino Canyon? I did not do that. I did do um, floating meditation, which was amazing. Um, I also- Is that like de uh, sensory deprivation kind of thing? No, I'll tell you about that in a second, but we did, I did a- so there's an outdoor floating meditation, which has, it's basically these rigs that have silks that are hanging from, from the rigs and you get in the silk, almost like a cocoon. And then, um, there's a, a, a specialist that sort of guides you through a meditation process. And you're basically looking at the mountains and then wrapped in the silk cocoon and you meditate for, I think it's like a 50 minute class and it's amazing. And the and you're rocking back and forth in the silk and the breeze is going past and uh, it's very, very uh, amazing sort of, again, transfor transformational experience um, for a lot of people. So I, I can I imagine that. just losing, losing sense of self and place and just being a part of the universe or the, on the earth, just flinging through the universe. Yeah, you're like swinging, being gently rocked while the sun is beaming down on you and the breeze is moving past. So, wow. It's and on the sensory deprivation part, <clears throat> excuse me, have you, do you guys have that at Miraval where you're in like one of those pods and have you done that? We have a treatment in the spa called Vasudhara that is about um, deprivation. So, it's, it's actually a, a Thai massage that is done in a pool. Um, and you have a blindfold on and you have floats underneath your arms, um, that keep you buoyant. Um, and, uh, there's music that is sort of this chanting music that's in the water under, under the water. So when you lay back on your back and you're floating in the water, you have no sense of visual sight because of the blindfold. And then you hear the music of the chanting when your head goes back in the water and then the therapist guides you through um, a nagatai, uh, sorry, through a Thai massage in the water, and it's again uh, not to continue to use the word, but it's transformational. Like it's a very, very. Uh, it allows you the opportunity to get into yourself, right? Because you're you don't have the distraction of of sight. You're in the water, which is already a tranquil sort of space. Um, and that deprivation is, puts you into a different state. So it's very powerful. I think my sister was telling me that she did that once. Yeah. And totally like had an out of body experience while doing it. That's what a lot of people say. They really experience something beyond what they ever would have expected. <clears throat> they have, wow. and, uh, and it's like I said, very powerful. So 
And you've and done was, it. I've done it. Yeah, I did it in Tucson. And actually, it's a service that you can get at any of our Maryville properties. Um, you can have that experience. But I think in Tucson, it's really special because it's in an outdoor pool. Um, so again, you have like sort of the sense of nature around you, um, the breeze that you can feel as in the sun um, sort of beaming on you. It's a very amazing experience. And what's it like after having that transformative experience, like just coming back and <laughs> like interacting with other humans? Well, it's kind of, it does like, after, I remember after I did Vasudhara, I, I like got out of the pool and I remember I was like, I'm just going to like sit for a minute. Like I need a minute after this. And that is so, so much what Maribel is about is, you know, I talked all about the experiential planners and having like an agenda. But then there are times at Maribel where you should just like sit and be with yourself and think about your experience. And, and that's one of the things we try to design across the property too, is like, there's little gardens and places where people can just, you know, have a moment after their treatments. But I mean, it, it, you know, when you go through something like that, um, you have a transformative experience, whether it's in programming or, you know, in a spa experience, you do need just a minute to sort of sit and be with yourself to sort of, that's, I think one of the most powerful things at Maryville too, is like, after you have those experiences is reflection, right? So you don't really learn I think you learn the most by reflecting on your experience, right? And so that's just as, as important as having the experience as reflecting on it. So spending time. And that's one of the reasons that we actually talk a lot about why the experience in food and beverage at Maryville is so ex important is because a lot of those conversations you have over meals with other people you've done the activity with is reflecting on how what your experience was. And I think you learn so much from that reflection. And... <clears throat> excuse me, I think there were, there's the equine experience, there's this floating meditation in the silks, and then the, <clears throat> how do you say it, the Vasudhara, Vasudhara in the pool. Yeah. Are those the three most transformational or the most intense or the most impactful experiences that you've had there? Um, or are, are, are there other ones that are like super intense like that? And then if you were, if there is those three, which one is was the most impactful for you personally? Um, I think one other one that's really impactful is uh, we have um, challenge courses, which include everything from, um, you know, climbing apparatuses, uh, team building exercises about trust, um, you know, being suspended 50 feet in the air. Um, so I think challenge course is another one that, again, evokes a sense of, uh, fear or uncertainty and how do you respond when your body's in those sort of uh, interactions? How do you sort of train yourself to think through those type of things? So I think challenge course is another one that is, is really impactful for a lot of people. Um, for me, I would say that Vasudhara was probably the most impactful. Um, equine is amazing and something that everyone should try to do that goes to a miracle, but um, Vasudhara was just in a place where it really got to me and really had a big impact on me personally. So I would say definitely when you plan your agenda, Dan, and I'll help you with it, Vasudhara has got to be on it. <laughs> okay. I'll be very intentional about it. It sounds super intense. And have you done it more than once? I've only done it once. So I would, it would be interesting to see, you know, cause I, that's the other thing about Miraville is that every time you go back, depending your intention is probably different, right? 
And so you will have a different experience. Like it will be, you know, something maybe that you're familiar with, but you might be at a different place. And so you might, that's the, that's the beauty about Miracle is that, you know, every time people come back, hopefully they get something different out of the experience. Wow. Um, This has been awesome. Sarah, how do people connect with you? Um, I'm on Instagram. I'm on LinkedIn. So my um, Instagram uh, is at Sarah Clemson. Um, Very simple. And then you can find me on LinkedIn too. Great. And then we'll put that all in the show notes as well. Uh, I just want to say this has been awesome. And now I'm excited to try all this stuff. So thank you for for your time and being here. Of course. Thanks for having me, Dan. It's always a pleasure. And I I want to thank uh, all of our listeners as well. If this has changed your idea on giving and receiving hospitality or serving versus connecting, uh, please pass this podcast along. I, I, I love this conversation. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you.